As Colorado channels its inner John Denver, we take a peek at a defensive end that recently put us in his top seven. And Mike Gundy does catch a lot of heat over recruiting. So let's take a peek back at not only numerically, but also physically. Where are they now? You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We are available on all of your podcasting platforms, as well as visually on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter, at State. So we'll jump right into this one. John Denver is Famous for a lot of things, especially in the Colorado area, but he's also very famous in West Virginia because of his song, Country Roads Take Me Home. Well, today you're finding out that Colorado is channeling their inner John Denver and singing Take Me Home, Country Roads, Back to the Place Where I Belong, which is the Big 12. Their move to the Pac-12 for whatever pretentiousness they wanted it to end up being didn't pan out. And I've said before, I know from a fan perspective, there's a lot of fans that miss the Big 12, that want to be in the Big 12 from Colorado. I can't speak necessarily on a bunch of other fan bases, but I know Colorado fans definitely miss the days of the Big 12. So it looks like they're finally coming home after some of the reports you're seeing, like Washington State being in such a terrible financial situation that they're going to have to squeeze money, move money around, not pay certain people certain amounts. They're going to have to cut funds, cut staff, cut people, whatever. Because of the mismanagement of the athletic budget, well, it's partially because they're not making enough money. It's also partially because everyone in the Pac-12 currently owes approximately $4.5 to $5 million a pop to Comcast for a, a bad TV type of deal. So the Pac, we, as we've talked about, has been in a precarious situation for quite some time now. You are seeing a lot of people you know, pump the chest of the Pac-12 is going to survive. We are not disillusioned to the idea that the Pac-12 is going to survive at all. We, we've had a, a, a decent amount of conversations about how I feel Colorado and Arizona are just a foregone conclusion and it's only a matter of time. I did maybe think that Arizona would come before Colorado, but nonetheless, whatever, it's the domino that is necessary to fall for everything to end up being what it's going to be, right? The Pac-12 is simply prolonging the inevitable by pretending things aren't what they are. And if you noticed yesterday, there wasn't a lot of Pac-12 media coming out saying, oh, this isn't true. Colorado's never going nowhere. Usually, when there's smoke, there's fire. Not always. But there's been a lot of smoke for quite some time. And they've been pretending there's no fire. Clearly, it is what it is. So, because we've covered it ad nauseum, and uh, we know Arizona and Colorado are a foregone conclusion at some point in time to join the Big 12, we're going to jump off of that horse. A horse we need to jump on real quick, because I teased a little bit yesterday, is we have recently uh, been on the recruiting trail, right? We, we've covered a decent amount of time about how Brian Nardo is phenomenal out on the trail, and he's going to continue to be so. 
Well, we recently made the cut, the top seven, for Texas edge rusher, defensive end, Edward Smith. Now, what's interesting about Smith is when you look at the film, it is it's perplexing. And now I've got more to sift through. I'm not done, obviously. But when you initially see six foot six, 250 pounds, and holding over 20 big-time offers, you want to get lost in the film. But the first time I kind of watched the film, I was viewing, viewing it from the perspective of him being that potential stand-up outside linebacker, you know, Von Miller slash Colin Oliver type of role. But then I watched it again, and I realized that's probably not what I'm looking at because he's got a good frame, clearly. He's going to be able to grow into it. You can see that. His first step is not you know, overly noticeable as far as quickness goes. He doesn't disengage phenomenally from blockers. He doesn't exactly have that quote-unquote nose for the football where he's always flying around and finding himself seemingly in the right positions quite a bit. It's more of him just dominating people physically. But then you have to take into consideration he does play 6A football in the state of Texas. So it's not like he's manhandling people that do not belong on a football field. So I think he's not going to be the stand-up guy. Is he going to mold or develop into a true defensive tackle? I don't know that I'd necessarily say that either. He's got the frame to potentially do so, but then you got to kind of take into consideration that he currently is in the same defense that we are running now. He is in an iteration of the 3-3-5. They run a lot of 3-3 stack. They do stand him up occasionally, but more often than not, he's in a three technique. And he's shaded right around the B gap. I think as long as that might be the plan for him at Oklahoma State, okay, then I can buy it. I can see it. If, if we're trying to convert him to that stand-up outside linebacker type of role that he does play as well in high school, right? He, he does go back and forth, stand up, hand in the dirt. And he does do a little bit of drop back in coverage, not a lot, which is kind of what leads me to believe that he's more of a bigger guy that we're going to build up, whether it be for the three-man front, you know, quote-unquote defensive end. That's what he's playing right now. So it makes sense. He's going to put on weight at Oklahoma State. The question is, is he going to get considerably faster at Oklahoma State? I don't know that I see that, right? Getting bigger? Yes, sure. Now, again, you got to go through some of the guys that are interested in this tape. There are reasons. Yeah, I think you could say a large portion of it is size and strength. At six foot six, 250 pounds. You know, the raw capabilities are there. The technique stuff is very, very, very well, sloppy. I'll just be 100% realistic, okay? But when you've got guys, okay, SMU, sure, cute story, not quite. Oregon State, yeah, they've had like one good year in the last 793,000 decades. Okay, cool, good story, but not viable. Nebraska, I don't see it. Get, you get playing time at these places. Yes, sure, absolutely. Indiana, playing time. Yes, sure, absolutely. Good fits? No. What you're looking for to get better? No. Um, cutting out Kansas State out of the top 10, that's pretty surprising. Uh, cutting Baylor and Colorado loose this early on, to me, again, a little bit surprising. Them having, him having Texas Tech in here is not surprising. Joe McGuire is one of the hottest coaches in the country right now, especially on the recruiting trail. TCU being in the mix is obviously not that big of a surprise. 
They produce very well defensively, and they currently do run the defense that we're trying to run at the moment, and they've been running it for a little bit right now. All right, same kind of system that John Acock runs over there at Iowa State. So it does fit for him. That is a good fit. Purdue, um, whatever. Okay, cool, I guess. What Oregon, they've got fancy helmets. Um, they do get to have the benefit of potentially winning their league every, every year because they have the awesome benefit of playing in the, the new WAC or PAC seven, five, whatever you want to call them. So I guess that makes sense too. KU, they're legitimate, right? Kansas has a legitimate argument here. They have a very, very, very good coaching staff. They know what they're doing. They have continuity. It's kind of a, a hot, sexy place to be right now. Houston, a little bit surprising, but again, Houston's going to be popping up as a contender for a lot of us in the big 12. They always have been a quote unquote contender to some degree. Now they're a legitimate contender, a legitimate threat because they can offer some of the same things. And then obviously Oklahoma state university. Now, again, some of these schools already run the defense that he's running in high school. I think us and TCU probably are the two that come to mind for me directly that fit him the best. If he's going to stay at that position or add to his frame and kind of shed over to more of a defensive tackle style of role. He could be a Colin Clay type of guy all day, every day. So we have a legitimate shot, right? The the top seven thing seems, again, a little bit odd to me. If I were to guess, I would almost guess that Purdue and Oregon are a little bit of a smoke show here. Now, of course, that leads all Big 12 schools, and so you're going to naturally say, Cody, you're very Big 12 oriented. That's why you're leaning Big 12. That, that, that could be fair, but again, it just, I don't, I don't see him uh, as a fit at Purdue. I don't see him as a fit as Oregon. The only fit for Purdue, I guess, would be playing time. But if you're going for playing time, Houston would be a good bet. Texas Tech, probably pretty decent bet. KU, probably pretty decent bet. I don't know that he'd play right away at Oklahoma State or, or uh, TCU. I don't know. I go back and forth, but the top seven thing is perplexing. Yeah, of course. When he narrows down his top five, that's really when the show will begin. But again, it, as long as you have the right personnel to run this style of defense, sometimes you'll have the right guys pop through, and he's one of those. Another thing that should pop through in your life has got to be bird dogs, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about it before. I've got my proud bird dog box here behind me. And yes, it is in fact the right colors, orange and black, which is partially why I have the box so proudly displayed behind me. But the clothes are absolutely phenomenal. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. If you're at retirement life and you want to go golf every day, I got news for you. Fellas, this is the greatest thing you will purchase to help your golf game. If you like some comfort, and the humidity and the heat of the of, of the Oklahoma Plains gets to you a little bit, then you got to have something reliable, breathable, pliable, and with built-in boxers, and you don't have to wear the, the belt all the time anymore. The sport of golf is not so much anymore about looking cool. you got to feel good, too. Look good, feel good, play good, right? I'm pretty sure that's how that goes. So now get out there, and you can do it. And if you're a young cat, I know for a certainty that Bird Dogs is very, very, very popular right now in fraternities. So doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're trying to look good, feel good, play good. Bird Dogs does all of it for you, and it adds the comfort that you literally cannot find anywhere else. They send you, or they send us products and said, you tell us how good they are. Point blank, period. That's it. And they're really that good. And right now, go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Locked on college, all being one word. 
Use that promo code today to buy yourself the baddest Yeti Mama Jamma Tumblr on the earth right now with the Bird Dogs logos. Not only the bird, but also the Bird Dogs verbiage as well. It's a home run. It is an absolute home run. It's a safety. It's a touchdown and a two-point conversion. It's holding somebody to love. See, I'm throwing tennis in there when I can. Bird Dogs is the perfect fit for where you're at in life, no matter what part of life you're in. Go get yourself hooked up on some Bird Dogs, and you can thank me later and let me know. Let me know on Twitter. Hit me up in the DMs, comments, whatever, and and tell me about your Bill Barks experience, your Bird Dogs experience, because I appreciate all of them. So now we get to get to the meat and taters. Yeah, I made y'all hang around a bit for this one. So Mike Gundy does, in fact, catch a lot of heat for recruiting. And most of it, it's deservedly so, okay? When you look at the average, we're going to stick with basically just 247 here. We're not going to, you know, jump all around. But by and large, Oklahoma State's average class over the last decade is like 35, 36. That's pretty standard. I've seen some publications that have us at 33. I've seen some that have us at net average of 39, right? So... 35, 36, right around that range. That's pretty pretty common for Oklahoma State recruiting. Our best class ever, according to 247, is 29. We've had classes in the 80s, 90s, 100s, way back in the day, primarily really before recruiting service started, but we're in that realm. So since these services have, have started, we have seen, it is a fact, that Oklahoma State does not get the benefit of the doubt in enhancing their star ratings. Most often, we have players that get rated five stars that commit to Texas A&M, and then they come to Oklahoma State, and they're not five stars anymore, according to the recruiting services. We've had recently, I mean, that happened. That happened with uh, a wide receiver recently, committed OU, five-star, great, decommitted, went to OSU, nope, not a five-star anymore. That does happen, not just Oklahoma State University. Imagine if if you're an SMU or a TCU or even, I hate to say it out loud, but Boise. I mean, Boise does sign, does sometimes get some bona fide certified guys that are downgraded because they're choosing Boise over, say, Oregon State. It does happen. But more than the number, it's about the meat and taters section. It's about who not only stays on the roster, but who produces and then who has a successful career afterwards. So let's dive in a little bit, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on a couple of these, but I do want to put it in perspective, right? A good example, um, and you'll see why, is let's look back to the 2016 class. No, there's nobody from 2016 on this roster, but in 2016, we had the 45th ranked class in America, class number 45, which is not bad by quote-unquote Oklahoma State standards, but it's certainly not what you would expect out of a team who is number 10 and most wins over the last decade. You would not expect a top 10 winning program to be at 45, to be hovering around the 40s consistently, but we are. That's the knock on Gundy. So let's go to 2016 and check out some of the guys in that class. Calvin Bundage. You hear me reference him quite a bit on this channel uh, because athletically he was an absolute freak of an athlete. And he was part of the Santa Fe pipeline. And he did, in fact, you know, get a little bit of time with the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad. So 
anybody that makes anything at all in the NFL financially is a success. I don't care what anybody says. You're talking about the, the smallest 3.5 or 5.3, whatever percent of people in the world that get to play NFL football. It might even be smaller than that. And Calvin Bundage is one of them. He was successful at Oklahoma State. He had a debilitating back injury where people said that he would never play football again. He played, never play any sport again. So the fact that he even came back was amazing. The fact that he, he was able to come back and then make, you know, a little bit of a stink in the NFL, it's in, extremely impressive. So that's obviously a win, right? Rodarius Williams, we talked about him the other day. He is still in the NFL with the New York Giants. Came on like gangbusters as a rookie, started, made a big name for himself, got injured last year after being named the starter before week one even came to fruition, got hurt very early on, missed the entire this season. They still have him back. They still firmly, firmly believe that he is a guy. So that's uh, obviously a net win there. We recently talked about LD Brown. LD Brown did make some noise with the New York Jets in training rookie meeting camp and training camp, things of that nature, but he wasn't able to completely carve out a role. He is still kind of doing some bouncing around, and I expect to see a little bit more of him eventually, whether it be over in the Canadian Football League, Arena League, something to that effect. He's just too good athletically to not do something. But, you know, he was marred by injuries at Oklahoma State, even though he's still, to this day, definitely a fan favorite. AJ Green. Everybody remembers his story. Came on, gangbusters, looked phenomenal, All-American. You know, gets a very, very, very high draft draft grade. Gets graded and drafted very, very, very high. Doesn't quite live up to expectations, but he's still in the NFL. He's still a Cleveland Brown. He's still kind of working his way back and forth in, in, in some of the rotations. Justice Hill, Justice Hill just signed another contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, he's been kind of, um, you know, pushed into that number three running back role his entire career. But for anybody who watches a little bit of the Baltimore Ravens, you'll know that the Ravens have been probably the most loaded team at running back in the NFL by and large for the last three years. They have an argument over the last three, four years of being the deepest running back room in the National Football League. And they still pay him money. They still sign him to contracts and they still want him to play because last year he finally got the nod, got the start. It's his job. He's the number one guy. And I think like four carries in the game tears his ACL. Like it just, you know, poor guy. But again, still in the NFL. It's clearly good class. Tevin Jenkins, big time, big time draft grade, big time, big time draft draft pick to the Chicago Bears. Fancy him as a left tackle. We talked about it previously. I saw him as right tackle. He had the most snaps of his career at right tackle. Oklahoma State graded out best at right tackle, but they moved him from left tackle to right tackle, then to right guard, now the, now the left guard. They're moving him to left guard because he was so good at right guard. Like, they legitimately, obviously, have had conversations about getting rid of him because he's not the left tackle that they fancied him to be. That's on them. That is their, their miss on evaluation. Again, we talked about it. He was probably never a left tackle in the NFL. Right tackle? Yes, that's plausible. But he was so good at right guard, not only did they move him to left guard, but they gave him another contract. So, again, they're willing to pay him more money, and now they do see him as a future stalwart at guard for the Chicago Bears. So he's probably not going anywhere anytime, anytime soon. Devin Harper. Devin Harper was a very, very late-round guy, but we've seen, we seen Devin Harper put in his four years of work. We've seen Devin, Devin Harper line up next to Malcolm Rodriguez in 2021 and put together probably the greatest defense in Oklahoma State University history. Well, guess what? He's still in the NFL. He's still a Dallas Cowboy. 
He's going to have an opportunity this offseason as well to carve out a bigger role. Dylan Stoner, guess what? Still in the NFL, still with the Oakland Raiders, is on the practice squad. But as we talked about in the very, very beginning with Calvin Bundage, it doesn't matter if you're making $300,000 a year to sit on the bench and do absolutely nothing. Who gives a flying who? Like, that's, again, the smallest percentage of workforce in America, and he's still on an NFL roster, as is Amen, Ogbangamiga. When people say, like Mason Cobb said, they left Oklahoma State because he wasn't getting pushed enough. There's not a good path in the NFL at linebacker for Oklahoma State University. He's crazy, and we know it. Amen, Ogbangamiga is still a charger. He's still making waves. He's still doing his thing. So, you know, I would say the 2016 class was uh, was win, right? So damn the number 20 or 45 ranking. So let's fast forward. Let's go to 2017. The number 40 overall ranking. Composite 38, right? A little bit even better. Is that where we should be? No. Is that where we typically are? Yes. Okay, so what does that mean? Or what did it mean? Because as we get up to the classes, you, you guys will notice a trend beginning. We're not there yet. But and if you notice the trend when we get there, let me know down in the comments section. But We've got a trend coming. But let's go to 2017. Okay, easy peasy. Tylen Wallace, anybody ever heard of him? Yes, because he's what? Still in the NFL. Still a Baltimore Raven. And he got more utilage last year than obviously his rookie year. But he played quite a bit as a rookie. So um, I would say, okay, yeah, doing do pretty good start, Dale. Uh, L.C. Greenwood, he was a big, big, big time get coming out of high school. He ended up at Northwestern State in Louisiana. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So... Uh, not in that loss there, um, but Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard replaced Christian McCaffrey with the, the Panthers whenever Christian McCaffrey went down with his injury. Chuba came in, looked very, very good as a rookie, which led you to believe he was going to be able to carve out a bigger role in year two, even though Christian McCaffrey was healthy. Christian McCaffrey does, in fact, come back, but he deals with the multitude of injuries yet, yet again. Chuba, you know, gets his opportunities. He does a little bit, not a lot with it. Then he gets his opportunity, right? Christian McCaffrey's hurt, hurt, playing, playing. Right, because Chris McCaffrey is now gone. It's Chuba's job. And then he kind of he gives way a little bit and splits time with Foreman. And this year, again, it's down to Foreman and Chuba Hubbard as running in the race for who's going to get the number one spot. They're both pretty even right now. But, you know, Chuba's going to have a, a good opportunity to be RB1 for the Carolina Panthers again this season. So, again, I would say it's probably a win. Trayson Wallace. Everybody remembers Trayson. He was a quarterback in high school. Already had multiple ACL tears. Came to Oklahoma State. Put him with his brother. Put him at wide receiver. Looked pretty good. Continuity was nice in the beginning. Showed some flashes in the spring of what he could potentially do. And then bada boom, bada bing, bada bang. Another ACL. Followed by another ACL. So the poor guy had more ACL surgeries than he did years under his belt of eligibility. So he got into the coaching game. And he's still a coach on staff in Stillwater at this very moment. Uh, Jelani Woods, that hurts the heart. Everybody knows the story there. Brought him in as a quarterback, a pro-style quarterback out of Georgia. Came to Oklahoma State, played a year quarterback, 6'7", 230. Got him up to, you know, we, we couldn't keep him down weight-wise. He kept bumping up 240, 250, 255, 255, 255, 260. And then we made him a tight end. And then we, we kind of pushed him in the middle of nowhere and we didn't use him. That's a, a McIndoo deal. We're not going to get into that right now. 
Uh, J.D. King went on to Southern Alabama or South Alabama. Had a pretty nice career. Brendan Evers, everybody knows him. He's currently having an opportunity right now to carve out a role in the NFL. We will see what happens as rookie OTAs and everything kind of um, get squared away here at the end. But he's in the NFL right now. He has an opportunity right now. So I'd say, again, that worked out. He was only a three-star. Brock Martin's only a three-star. Brayden Johnson's only a three-star. Brock Martin's with the, the Raiders right now. Obviously, he's going to have an opportunity to earn his spot on the roster or practice squad, whatever it may be. But again, here we are. Talk conversation. He's in the NFL. Brayden Johnson, conversation with the Bills in the NFL. Trey Sterling got hurt last year after showing out quite well in rookie OTAs. Looked very, very, very good. I believe it was with the Packers. And then he tore his hamstring to, to all crud, missed the, missed the entire season. Is he going to have an opportunity this year? Yeah, I think so. I think somebody's going to give him a, a, at least a chance, right? And then we can talk about Malcolm Rodriguez, if everybody wants to. Malcolm Rodriguez, um, you know, three-star. He was like a buck 75, buck 85, coming out of high school, wrestling champion. He was a dual threat guy. He was a quarterback that we that we fancied as potentially a free safety. Immediately moved him to strong safety, and then from strong safety moved him to linebacker, outside linebacker to inside linebacker. He just kept getting bigger and better every single year. And everybody knows his NFL story, so we don't have to you know go that far. Um, Baron Odom, another tight end that we missed out on. Right, um, we had a couple guys. Tabo, we missed out on him. He was a Pretty good get. Uh, it was cool to see what J.D. King did after afterwards. Obviously, losing Johnny Woods isn't very fun. Um, but, again, you're not missing very many. And the guys that you hit on, they are all in the NFL. So, I just I wanted to have this conversation because you guys know, like, I think that our recruiting numbers should be better. We should be a top 25 recruiting class year in, year out. No questions asked. You can't tell me that Stillwater is impossible to get people to. It's not the case. You can't tell me that Stillwater is not impossible to get people to the NFL to. Not the case. You can't tell me that Stillwater is not a place that you can come and win something. Winning games is important. We've got to step it up, and we've got to start winning conference titles with it. But don't get wrapped up all the time in the number. Because not all the time is the number indicative of the product that you can produce on the field. I mean, that we all do that. That happens to all of us. So we've got more classes to dive into that will become more trending. Um, but the number of the class overall, it, it doesn't always tell the story. The film typically does, but again, not always. There's lots of layers you got to sift through to figure stuff out. But the hit rate, historically, is pretty good for Oklahoma State. We'll see if that trend continues, and we'll see if we can finally kind of break through that top 25 door this year. We're close. Um, we've been hovering between 27, 26, and 31, 32-ish thus far. There's some guys out there that'll make it better. All righty, y'all. That's all we got for this one. Until next time, I love y'all. God bless. Go Pokes. And I'll see y'all later. Thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Like it, love it, share it, comment, all that good stuff. All righty, y'all.